bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in politics like we're talking about reality TV. But if you're looking for the podcast where we talk about how Julie just got a Vespa and is riding around (laughs) Burbank like a feckless scooter dork, that's actually on our Patreon podcast. Yes, yes, you're welcome. And if you want to hear it, we have a link to a free episode of our Patreon podcast in the description of this podcast. But it's not the one where I talk about my scooter. You'll have to sign up if you want to hear about how I'm a gay scooter nerd now. That's right. Because we talked about it, didn't we? We sure did. Gave you the whole lowdown. I mean, it's just getting drugs, getting (laughs) us booze. Well, Mm -hmm. actually, we haven't. You haven't done a store run because I considered calling you while you were out earlier today Uh to tell you to get some of that mango orange evolution juice that you've been getting that is that what it's called evolution so good it's defense up right defense up isn't that what it's called i don't know i thought it said pineapple mango orange something something and something and it's so good but then i was like uh she's gonna put it in her meow backpack and i don't know if she knows how to park her scooter at the ralph's i do know now (laughs) i did get ice the other day with it but you didn't go to ralph's didn't you just go to like our liquor store corner yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Well, I guess my parents are going to find out now. About the scooter or about the drugs? Oh, about the scooter. Because they know about the drugs. <laughs> yeah. About the scooter. Okay. Well, Ooh. well, listen, it's you the know new what? life now. It's you're, the lifestyle. It's, it's honestly, you're only taking it around Burbank. Mm-hmm. It's safer than being in a car because you're not even going fast. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Nobody knows what the feck they're doing after COVID. Okay. The COVID has really ruined the driving yeah. in LA. The COVID. It's you know, the COVID. It's the, and it's the, it's the COVID. And I'm just like, just got to live. You know what I mean? It's just got to live. We live. did get a message from an absolute fucking peach this morning on our Patreon, actually. Mm. His name is Teddy. And we didn't know we loved him, but we really fucking do. Right, Mama? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. His <laughs> message was so nice. It said... I just listened to the tribute to the 13 soldiers portion of last week's regular weed podcast. It's Monday morning. And as usual, I'm sitting drinking coffee and chain smoking. Love you, Teddy. (laughs) While, While feeling sorry for myself going over the shit show that my Monday will be. I work as a juvenile justice social worker and feeling pretty hopeless that I'm not making a difference with my current caseload. Hearing about these young people that lost their lives doing what they thought was right and just... Sparked whatever drive I had lost somewhere along the way. Today, I will make a positive difference in one of my young clients' lives. Thank you again. Good luck to Julie with her new Vespa and to Brandy not having to constantly worry every time she gets on it. Much love, Teddy. 
That's right. Now Phyllis can worry. And I can just put it all out of my mind knowing that your mom is sitting somewhere totally stressed out. I was worried, Phyllis. I'm here for you. Okay, Phil? I have been on your ass. I've been riding your ass, haven't I, my mouth? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, don't Mm -hmm. even be a tool on that thing, please. Very stressful. I will say that Teddy's message was so sweet. And it's funny because we were just talking about Katie Candy and her baby who's, who's big now. Like... His name is Theodore, but we know his name must be Teddy. Right. They and call him Teddy. They must. Think. Yeah. But Teddy Candy, he's got to be like, he's probably three, if not even bigger now. He's not 30. Yeah. Honestly, he's probably 13. <laughs> Maybe this is him. This is fucking Teddy Candy. Yeah. He's a social worker now. <laughs> I mean, it's so weird that someone who's a juvenile justice social worker wants anything to do with this podcast. <laughs> And if you get feedback on the Vespa before we get feedback from Phil and Dr. Guac about mm-hmm. last week's episode with the soldiers, then. Yeah. So make sure when it Phyllis, was moving, it was moving when you, when you call <laughs> it was real. to uh, yell at Julie about the Vespa, <laughs> make sure you first pop in how much you love the tribute to the 13 soldiers. Please, yeah. Now, Liz Pills. OK, mm-hmm. our girl Liz, she writes E Pills on the return. And I always think Elizabeth Bitsy Pills. OK, <laughs> she is such a boo. She sent us post-it notes with cuss words, mm-hmm. which is I haven't been able to do anything except cuss this past week. But they are so cool. I will say also there's two magnets included. One says my American values, colon. Equality, justice, empathy, science. Right next to it, you put the other one that's in white, and it says, dream big, work hard, be brave, shine bright, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) And it got you, I'm like, we're going to put these right under our DGP Mm-hmm. magnet that we have and on your back door we're going to put these right under just like this yes there. good that's the they look great together yeah. and then the the post-its are in a um a holder that says fucking a and other satisfying swears that make no sense such as got a fuckload of stuff to do like a shit ton <laughs> and then you make a note in it what a shit show but it's our shit show that's like a the good nice like loving one feeling astastic and you that's like when you're really bragging. You know what I mean? I feel like they're all kind of weirdly positive. Yeah, they're not you're like, right. fuck off, don't they bother are. me right now. It's on this post and notes what I need to get done, bitch. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Holy shit snacks. This is maze balls. Surrounded by douche canoes. No paddle in sight. I'll leave that for my neighbor. Fucking <laughs> A, right? And then that's it. I want to start writing in these right away. Yeah, me too. And we always leave post it notes around, Liz, because sometimes we have to put like reminders about the podcast currently there's a post-it note taped to the front doorknob that we've been ignoring for over a week that says cut julie's hair we just go right out the front door in and out the front door we just ignore it ignored so maybe if it says got a shit ton to do fucking fuckload shit ton wait what is it got a fuckload of stuff to do like a shit ton maybe we'll pay attention maybe I yeah. love this little holster it's in that says the whole what- thing about it is great yeah so liz included a letter a handwritten letter on lined paper, mm. like from a folder in yes. school, which really gave me the feels. I love that. It's got like holes in it. Hi, Julie and Brandy. As soon as I saw these post-its, I thought of you and had to send. A little tacky, but pretty funny. And I assumed you had paper needs. Just from- like us, Liz. <laughs> Just like us. <laughs> and I assumed you had paper needs from time to time. The magnets were funny, too, so sending them as well. You both continue to be voices of comfort to me at this point. If I'm stressed, 
I turn on a podcast, usually Patreon. Politics aren't always comforting, even though I listen weekly. I also moved and can't find any stationery, so feeling like I'm in high school again with this note, ha, love Liz Pills. I mean, literally. It's like so a... We're, oh, so her stationery is like packed away in boxes, so right. she's like, oh shit, let me let just... Let me get this three-ring yeah. binder out with this paper. It could be the new stationery for 2021. I'm kind of feeling it. I like it. I don't think you need any other stationery than that. And there's three holes in it, literally. It That's feels the like, thing. Yeah. You know, I like it, plus her writing is giving mm-hmm. me like, mm-hmm. like a high school note. She did yep. a heart. I always did that. Like heart brandy. Oh, like, see how she just yeah, did the heart? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love you so much, Liz. I'm glad when people are simply going on about their lives and they see something that says fuck on it. Julie Lang always does that too. It's like, <laughs> well, giving this to the girls. It's like, I mean, my poor mom. Okay. So then we got a new picture postcard for the Drug Den Bulletin Board mm. from just a sweet little angel that we didn't know existed, Nyuk from Portland. Oh, Nyuk. Nyuk is. Uh, Nick is very sexy. I'm looking so forward to putting him on the bulletin board. He's wearing sunglasses. He's in a t-shirt, long sleeves, some shorts. Is he like in sand dunes? Um, I don't know if this is in a maybe the back of a truck. Uh, It looks like it is in a beach, but like not on a beach day. More probably like where it's cool out. It's a more of a rugged beach feel. I was literally like, is he like in the middle of Saudi Arabia? Oh, like it looks like it's I'm sure he's on the beach. But honestly, all I saw, it looks like a, just a vast desert to me. Am I crazy? Is there water there? Yeah, there's water there. Oh, yeah. OK. But yes, well, it does look very and it is very vast. It could be Oregon. Oregon's got like a rugged, rocky terrain coast, doesn't it? Well, wherever he is, somebody just snapped a pic of Nyak in the back of a truck, just like with his hair, like lightly blowing. <laughs> yeah. And he says, hey, Julian Brandy, thanks for all the hours of fun throughout the years. Love you too. Original 14 listener Nick from New York, from Portland. Bitch kept it short and sweet. Had to let us know he's an original 14. Nope. Nick, we had no idea. So I don't know if you're going to have to hit us with like, if you've ever messaged us on like any of the socials, like any... Twitter or do we know you by a different name? Because I mean, Nick is news to me. I know, maybe he's just COVID. like rugged guy, Nyuk, fourteen ten Portland, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Like you think that it's Iraq, but it's Portland. Hashtag. <laughs> what if he tells us he's like, yeah, I was in Iraq, and I'll be like, nailed it. <laughs> well, Nick, this picture's genius. We love like a mood on the board too, and it is very picturesque, very yeah. vibes, vibes, guys, vibes, guys. All right, now it's time for JoJo and Kiki. Lock the doors, lower the blinds, fire up the smoke machine, and put on your heels. Because I know exactly what we need. JoJo and Kiki. I want to have a Kiki. Lock the doors. Hey, JoJo and Kiki. Motherfucker. I'm going to let you have it. JoJo and Kiki. I want to have a Kiki. Die, turn, work. JoJo and Kiki. All right, so last week all hell broke loose with the Democrats in Congress over the two infrastructure bills. So JoJo had to leave the White House and go to an emergency meeting on Capitol Hill to put bitches in check. And even though Joe Biden used to be a senator for a hundred years before he was vice president, it's pretty unusual for a president to meet with Congress people in the Capitol building. Like, I'm pretty sure Trump never even went in there after his inauguration. And the only reason you're even in there at the inauguration is to like walk all the way through it and then out to the balcony, right? Mm -hmm, Right. And then I feel like after that, the closest he ever got was probably the Capitol Insurrection Day when he was out (laughs) in that tent. Right. Yeah, he was in the 
tent with the TV screens and yeah, the thing. And, which is like down the road from right. the Capitol building. Right. Well, I guess JoJo needed to go over there and look them all in the eye and do his, come on, man. <laughs> we need to come together. I mean it. I, I really mean it. <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not kidding here. I'm not kidding here. I'm not kidding about this. I really mean it. That's good, my man. We need to come together, those, okay? Those are all the the JoJo-isms. <laughs> Was that what he said when he looked me in the eye? He said, no, he said, for real. Oh. Yeah, for real. <laughs> come on, I mean it. And apparently... All the Jojoisms went on for about 40 minutes in front of all the lurky, mm. lowly House Democrats that could cram themselves into the room for the meeting. Oh, oh, God, if I could be a fly on AOC's crisp white suit to see all the goings on. You know, one second they were all talking shit about how he's not doing what he promised them. And then the next second they were clamoring for clout. Exactly. So... In honor of the clamoring for clout, here are the teams battling it out in the 2021 Congress mm. Clout Democrat Championship. 2021 Congress Clout Democrat <laughs> Championship. On the Senate side, you've got a small team of two fake Democrat douchebags, Arizona Senator Kirsten Jizma and West Virginia Senator Joe Puss Puss Manchin. These two were the early frontrunners favored to win as senators have much more power than House representatives in Congress. And in just 10 short months, this douchey duo has already successfully screwed struggling Americans by blocking the filibuster vote and blocking the legislation to raise the minimum wage. So they've got a record that's going to be hard to beat, Mau Mau. Well, if there's anyone who can battle Kirsten's jism up when it comes to clout chasing, uh, it's progressive House Democrats. And that's just what they're doing. There's 95 members of the House Progressive Caucus, and they are all elite chasers at the top of their game. People like... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Katie Porter, Ted Lieu, Hakeem Jeffries, Rashida Tlaib, Mondaire Jones, Maxine Waters, even Bernie Sanders is a member of the House Progressive Caucus, and he's a senator! <laughs> now that, that is some thirst and some lurk, mm, I gotta that say. Is, and that is some gall. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> This time, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin picked the wrong liberals to fuck with. You can't, you can't, you can't. It's going to be a tight race, but they went, they, I don't know what they were thinking, thinking they were going to like, just no. Ilhan Omar and oh, Rashida Tlaib alone. That's a dream team. And there's, there's 95 other people than the ones that you just said. Right. And I mean, Maxine Waters alone will wipe the floor with that dumb cunt. You know what I mean? It's like, go yeah. fuck right off. Yep. Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin do have, however, the help of House moderates. Meow, you know the moderates. Oh yeah, the moderates. They uh -huh. they are in what is called the Blue Dog Coalition. Ew. I know, I know. Ew. But that team is Ew. made up of only 19 reps that no one has ever heard of. Whose mission statement, by the way, on their website cites financial stability and national security as their top priorities of the blue dog coalition um that sounds more like a republican mission statement than one for moderate democrats yeah. but hey i guess they dance for the same republican super PAC dollars <laughs> that jizma and mansion dance for and then there's another irrelevant caucus who entered the clout chase championship called the Bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus. <laughs> the Bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus. 
what do they do? Get on Survivor or Big Brother and think of their yeah. alliance mm-hmm. that they were going to do. And that's the dumb, stupid fucking name they came up with. Oh, my God. I'm Anything so that has bipartisan at this point, too. It's like you yeah. immediately know it's a sham. Bullshit. And also, I don't no, no, Okay. Yeah, exactly. This caucus is made up of more fake Democrats who call themselves moderates, but are really just puppets to corporate lobbyists. At this stage in the game, if you call yourself a Democrat and you're not for raising the minimum wage, then you got to go. Joe Manchin is the senator for West Virginia, which is the fourth poorest state in this country. That means that the state he represents has the fourth highest poverty rate in America. Yeah. And he was on his yacht this weekend yelling down to people in kayaks that there's no rush for this human infrastructure bill and that it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. The bill includes universal pre-kindergarten, which is essentially free child care for kids starting at three or four, as well as child tax credits, paid family leave and free community college. I'm going to assume that the people living below the poverty line in West Virginia could really use some (laughs) child care and tax credits. And that piece of shit calls himself a Democrat while blocking the vote from his fucking yacht. So here's the quick and dirty backstory of the drama that went down last week before Jojo had to pull the car over and come back there. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, Ho Mansion and Jizzton Cinema clout chased their way to a bullshit bipartisan physical infrastructure bill last summer. That bill is for roads and bridges and broadband and green energy. It will cost $1 trillion and the Senate already passed it. So now the House needs to pass it before Jojo can sign it. But that bullshit mansion cinema bipartisan infrastructure bill does not include a bunch of shit that was in Jojo and Kiki's original Build Back Better bill. So Bernie Sanders and the progressive Democratic Clout Chase Caucus got together (laughs) and crafted a separate bill called the Human Infrastructure Bill. That's just like the working title of it. That Human Infrastructure Bill uh, basically spearheaded by Bernie Sanders has all the other shit that the fake Democrats left out of the Um, physical infrastructure bill. You know, all the things that actually help struggling Americans, which in turn help everyone. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's one thing, Mamau, in the human infrastructure bill that will directly benefit you and me. (laughs) I mean, maybe Uh eventually the price of prescription drugs, but we don't have kids. We're done with college. None of it, it's none of it is going. We're not even going to see it. any of it in our in our day to day lives. No. But I still wouldn't hesitate to chip in on it tax wise. Yeah. But the beauty of it is I won't need to because no one who makes less than four hundred thousand dollars a year will get their taxes raised. Exactly. And yet it's all still paid for. I, 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 I So Bernie Sanders and the Progressive Caucus made a deal with Speaker of the House Nance Palos that she would not let the House vote on the fake bipartisan physical infrastructure bill until all the clout-chasing teams had come to an agreement on the big human infrastructure bill. The bill that Bernie and the Progressive Caucus made budgeted out at $3.5 trillion, and again, did not raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. So all of the douchebag moderates and the blue dog dud and the problem-solving sham caucuses banded behind the Senate thirst twins, Joe Manchin and Jizima Jizima, and they all refused to vote for it until the price came down. And why? Because they're so because they're up at night about the people who make four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and up. Mm-hmm. Like they they're losing sleep over millionaires actually having to pay taxes. We but, can't pay for it. They don't want to go into debt and the deficit and our oh we're gonna have to pay for it. But it's like no, you actually know. In fact, you're lying. Lying. You're bl- blatantly, blatantly lying. lying. Blatantly. Yeah. 
And while he was on his yacht, Jizzton was off in Arizona doing like a like a fundraiser. I mean, that's just a fact. And it's like there we don't even bother getting into the level of the the corruption and the and the dark money that's going around. It's just absolutely like despicable. But the progressive caucus clout chase team (laughs) called those motherfuckers bluffs and told them to go fuck themselves and the fake Democrat (laughs) white privilege horse they rode in on. And they tied Nance Pelosi's hands forcing her to cancel the scheduled vote on the bipartisan infrastructure package, which even I had (laughs) scheduled in my iPhone calendar. Nice. And that's when, meow, meow, all hell broke loose and Joe Biden had to pull the car over. (laughs) And what? Come back there! So JoJo went to ground zero of the Capitol insurrection and he crowded into some smelly, musty old room filled to the brim with competing clout chase teams. So it got real exciting here. And he told them that they could delay the vote on the fake bipartisan bill and compromise by scaling back the bigger bill. He told them there was no rush and he assured reporters, the other clouders, on his <laughs> way out the door that it was going to get done. And at the end of the day, all of this shit was in Biden's original Build Back Better bill. Exactly. Everyone loves to act like this is some radical left wing Bernie Sanders progressive caucus <laughs> joint, but it isn't. These were all things Joe Biden had in his original bill until fake Democrats masquerading as moderates blocked it and ruined it. But guess what, Kirsten Cinema, you stupid bitch? <laughs> you forgot that Joe Biden is actually the original OG moderate Democrat. And he won the Clout Chase Championship last November. <laughs> Okay, now it's time for us to tell you about something in the news that you might not have noticed, but it's completely fucking tragic. part of the show where we tell you about things in the news that you may have missed but they are too tragic for us to ignore and today we're talking about the most tragic thing to ever bestow its tragicness on the world fucking fazbuck facebook is absolutely disgusting and nobody (laughs) needed this podcast to tell them that but this week a blonde angel from iowa named (laughs) francis hagen blew the whistle on their gross game and started what is hopefully the beginning of the end of motherfucking Facebook. <laughs> oh, so Francis Uta Hagen is a, for- <laughs> is a former Facebook employee who quit her job right after the Capitol insurrection because it was clear to her that Facebook was hugely responsible for the riot that day. Not solely responsible, but hugely responsible. They not only allowed, but promoted and spread through their algorithms false information about the election results among the QAnon Trisket trash on their platform. Then, when they were planning their salty siege, Facebook did nothing about accounts and posts clearly threatening violence and inciting violence with pictures of guns and zip ties, etc. So, she quit. And apparently, on her way out the door, she went ahead and packed her office box full of private (laughs) internal files that she rolled into a giant dick so she could fuck Mark Zuckerberg with it. 
10,000 files to be exact. And instantly she became a national treasure. Well, she's definitely my favorite person who's ever lived ever in history. <laughs> so one thing included in the files was this internal research on how Instagram causes suicidal thoughts, eating disorders, self-esteem issues, and generally just ruins lives of young girls. And the more they hate themselves, the more they look at it. This was actual documented research that Facebook themselves paid for. And upon finding out that the negative effects made the girls use Instagram more Facebook kept the rotted algorithm in place. Mm. That alone is a disgrace. It's like every fucking disgusting corporation knowing that the toxic waste they're dumping in the water supply is causing birth defects and then burying the evidence and the research and continuing to dump. Yeah, it's so it's it's so hideous. I can't even deal. And not to mention that Facebook was weeks away from launching an Instagram for kids. For kids. And because of this woman, Frances Uta Hagen, they fucked right the fuck off with that bullshit. Right. The gross thing about us is we wouldn't even be bothering to bother if it was just about Instagram ruining kids' lives because it's like Terry Shibo knows that, okay? <laughs> no, we are here for the rest of it, and it is so next level, okay? So the deal with Frances Hagen is that she's like a super smart computer programmer nerd from Iowa, her first job was at Google. Then over the years, she worked at Yelp and Pinterest before eventually landing at Facebook. But it's important to know that Facebook wasn't her first rodeo. She worked on algorithms at all those places. So she knows what she's talking about when she says the algorithm at Facebook is ruining civilization. And that's literally what she said. Oh, my God. So apparently everyone in the tech industry knows that Facebook is tragic and no one wants to work there, including Francis Hagen. But in 2014, a blood clot in her thigh almost killed her. I'm so scared of blood clots. So she hired a family. She probably got one because she sits down all the time doing computer stuff. Yeah, probably. Exactly. Well, you're off on your Vespa living your best <laughs> life, bitch. So, so she hired a family friend to help take care of her when she got home from the ICU. Now, during that time, her friend got radicalized because of white nationalists and occult pages on Facebook. It's unclear whether this friend died or is just lost to her as a friend. And as I'm saying this, I'm feeling like it probably wasn't even a friend. It was probably a family member like her sister or brother, and she doesn't want to put them on blast. But whoever it was, losing that relationship to conspiracy theories was traumatizing enough that when Facebook recruited her five years later in 2019, she agreed to take the job just so long as she would be, quote, working to stop the spread of misinformation, end quote. So Facebook said, fuck yeah, we got another sucker to come over to our suck farm. <laughs> So they created a civic integrity division for her, which was just Francis and four other employees. And they gave them three months to build a system to track misinformation targeted at specific groups of people. But of course it failed because turns out, sweetie, no one wants to work for fucking <laughs> Facebook. So every single civic integrity division inside Facebook is massively underpaid and understaffed, including the groups responsible for tracking slavery, sex trafficking, and organ selling. Oh my God. What a wonderful, wow. wonderful place to be <laughs> and visit. <laughs> so Frances took her Facebook files of justice to the Wall Street Journal, who did a five-part series that no one could read because no one has a subscription to the Republican Street Journal. And she's testifying in front of Congress on Tuesday. But the main blurb going around is from a 60 Minutes interview she did on Sunday. All 14 listeners have probably seen it. 
On Facebook, probably. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although, ironically, or cunonically, <laughs> Facebook had the biggest outage in its history the day after the interview and was down for six hours. Like, come on. Maybe they all saw it on TikTok. But either way, <laughs> the main blurb is basically just Francis telling everyone what all of us already know, which is Facebook sucks and had a way to make the algorithm more safe the whole time meaning causing less conflict and spreading less lies. But they purposely don't use it because they get the most clicks from posts that elicit anger. Not love, not cuteness, not laughs. Anger. So that's why every post on Facebook is a pile of shit. Their asinine algorithm moves up shitty posts to the top of the timeline to make someone angry so they'll share it with someone else and so on. Here's a clip from the 60 Minutes interview that they did not play on TV because like Facebook, 60 Minutes is fucking tragic and didn't put the most important shit on their shitty ass TV show and instead kicked it over to 60 Minutes Overdrive, which is their stupid online clickbait, which is also tragic. So here's a clip of Francis Hagen explaining how everyone's libertarian cousin became an insufferable QAnon moron. When you're dealing with disinformation and misinformation, yeah. what are some of the things that you're seeing? So Facebook has done experiments where they take brand new accounts. So Facebook has said before, you're complaining about the misinformation you're seeing. It takes two to tango, right? You know, you picked your friends, you picked the topics they engage with. Don't just blame us, it's on you. So they've taken new, brand new accounts, so no friends. And all they've done is follow Donald Trump, Melania, Fox News, and like a local news source. And then all they did was click on the first 10 things that Facebook showed them. Or if Facebook suggested a group, they joined that group. Right, so they're not doing any conscious action here. There's just one thing going. And within a week, you see QAnon. Within two weeks, you see things about white genocide. Oh. Right, and you can say, how did that happen? Why are these the things that Facebook is choosing to show you? And it's because those things get the highest engagement. What is engagement-based ranking? Facebook right now is trying to optimize for what it calls meaningful social interactions. And those are reacts, likes, comments, reshares. Every time when someone takes one of those actions, clicks through a link, that is engagement. And Facebook goes and looks at all the things that you've clicked on and it makes a model of you. Facebook's own research says Publishers know you are more likely to engage with angry content. There is a perfect reverse correlation where the angrier you are, the more traffic leaves Facebook and goes to your publishing site. And so I guarantee you publishers all around the world are looking at those visits from Facebook and saying, ah, if we make more angry content, we'll get more distribution. And by publishers, she means CNN, MSNBC, Fox, it's not just shitty fucking asshole Republican mm-hmm. and liberal news sources too are doing it. They're constantly, we, we talk about it all the time yep. because they're sitting there constantly trying to get people pissed off and it's okay, fine. Do you, but nobody's going to head over to CNN on their own. They go to Facebook first. It's so sad that the thing that gets the most engagement or whatever is, is rage. Like you'd think that looking at cute, puppies and kittens and otters would get but it doesn't it's just people it's just angry outrage 
And I'm then watching, they, only reason I'm watching Jeopardy is to get furious every night <laughs> at Madame Odio. Uh, well, right. Well, of course. I mean, listen, I love, I love outrage. I live to be outraged. I love it. But the, <laughs> you think then if they are, have so much control and if people are so, let's say, addicted to Facebook, that you could potentially steer them in another direction. What if all of, what if the things that you started pushing people towards was conservation and looking at cute dolphins and just things like that. Like they're people, we see the, the lady who did the small microphone with the animals at like 35 million views. So why not start pushing that shit and change the entire ecosystem of Facebook? But you don't cause you're a ballless dickless piece of shit who only wants the easy road. Money, right. And there's definitely something where Mark Zuckerberg is getting off on the anger too. He likes it. He's got to be like, a, um, I feel like he's like Lex Luthor. The next clip is the clip that really shook me. Now, if you're one of our regular 14 listeners, then you know that not only am I not on Facebook, I never was on Facebook mm -hmm. and I fucking hate Facebook. <laughs> I've always known it was trash from day one. And I've said publicly since 2010 on Johnny's podcast, when there was like a little gaggle of like 10 cuties trying to get me on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Remember, Mamiel? I do remember, yeah. I said then, and I said it every day since then, I would never do it because it brings out, it would bring out the worst in me. Mm -hmm. Seeing other people looking skinny, having fun on their vacation, and it's all bullshit, and we know because that girl who died in the van. Right. Motherfucker was like, they were fighting all the time, mm -hmm. and it wasn't just on that trip. Right. And they were living with his parents. Their <laughs> life was not even like sexy or glamorous or right. cool right. or even van glamorous right. in any way. Right. And now, over a decade later, there's actual research proving that it brings out the worst in everyone. <laughs> but like any good addiction, the only thing to do is just stop. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, when you finally quit, Meow Meow, mm -hmm. we had a whole drama trying to get our dumb gay politics fan page off of there. Yeah. Um, and that was a total nightmare. Nightmare. And the narrative was absolutely fucking gross and rotted. Yep. And at that time, a handful of our 14 listeners quit in mm -hmm. like solidarity with us uh -huh. and we were so proud of them mm -hmm. and so stoked and now today in light of this clip we're about to play i'm urging the other 10 of you <laughs> to think about quitting <laughs> i don't expect anyone to do it mm. and even though it's ruining the next generation of young women growing up you don't even need to quit instagram and yes we know facebook owns instagram <laughs> hopefully this clip will be the final straw for even one of the 14 that's listening. And if it isn't, at least find it at 60minutesoverdrive.com and post the shit on Facebook. <laughs> because stupid fucking 60 Minutes never even aired it. So you got to go to 60minutesoverdrive.com, put it on Facebook, let it be spread around. I swear to God, right now, the only people who have ever even heard it are going to be the people listening to this. Mm -hmm. Whistleblower Francis Haugen oh. on Facebook's use in foreign <laughs> countries. Nick. What do you think? of the idea that with almost 3 billion yeah. people on the platform, Facebook has just simply created something that cannot be controlled. It is horrifying to me what Facebook is in other countries. Mm. For most languages in the world, there isn't a free and open internet. But Facebook has gone in and paid people. They've subsidized their data plans. They've subsidized their phones to get people in incredibly fragile places in the world onto the platform. We had a joke inside of Civic Integrity 
that if you wanted to know what the next batch of at-risk countries was gonna be, all you had to do was look two years in the past at what the Facebook connectivity countries were, and that's what they were gonna be. The point of yeah. the joke yeah. was that to figure out which countries were going to be in crisis a yes. couple of years from now, yeah. all you had to do was look at where Facebook was expanding its reach overseas. Yes, yeah. The dark humor behind the joke is the idea that information technologies are not neutral. It's really important to remember that Facebook makes different amounts of money for every country in the world. Every time Facebook expands to a new one of these linguistic areas, it costs just as much, if not more, to make the safety systems for that language as it did to make English or French, right? Because each new language costs more money, but there's fewer and fewer customers. Mm. And so the economics just doesn't make sense for Facebook to be safe in a lot of these parts of the world. Mm -hmm. the areas of civic disinformation that you were working on included what? In most of the world, because there isn't third-party fact-checking, because the basic integrity and safety systems are not supported in almost all the languages in the world. You know, there's 5,000 languages in the world. Facebook supports maybe 50. Mm. 50. In other parts of the world, that misinformation is directly leading to people dying. Wow. Right? You'll have incidences where in a village in Africa, someone will send in a picture of a massacre that is allegedly happen happening in the next village and say, grab your guns, come save your cousins. So what do you think happens when a bunch of people with guns shows up in the next village, mm. right? It's, it's really, really scary. Um, and it, it, it's a force that, that um, is, I, I, I worry will destabilize societies. You know, someone else might have just quit and moved on. Oh yeah, yeah, many have. And I wonder why you take this stand. Imagine being a kind, conscientious person, and Facebook is full of kind, conscientious people. And you know what's going on inside of Facebook, and you know no one on the outside knows. Imagine what that does to you. The reason I came forward is Facebook has been struggling. They've been hiding information. And we need to not solve problems alone. We need to solve them together. And that's why I came forward. So. There's that documentary. We never watched it because we couldn't handle it. And I feel like it's about it's like about a one of the islands in the Philippines where they have this huge warehouse and 90 percent of the, you know, people that live on the island work. In this warehouse where they where they work, basically, I guess, for Facebook and they they take images of like really super violent, like the the worst, the worst shit that you could see. They get it off off of there. They scrub the, yeah. the platform. That's their job. They're like scrubbers. I mean, we watched the trailer and we were like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, uh -uh. We're not going to see animals being tortured, no. children, and just we're not seeing any of it. So what she's saying is that, and just in case it was unclear for anyone, is that that warehouse filled with, you know, people wherever it is, costs a shit ton of money. And those people only speak maybe all together the 50 languages that Facebook scrubs right but then there's you know three thousand other languages right. that use facebook that their internet doesn't get scrubbed right. that means they do see All animals it. being mutilated and ch and they do see child pornography right. and they do see lies and it does cause genocide right and it's destabilizing <laughs> societies i mean i don't even i i, I just I, it, honestly it's like i don't even i'm speechless about it it's absolutely it it it's insane. 
what he's doing to the world. Yeah, it is insane. It's just like, where's the outrage? And people are not outraged. They're not. They're mad that their freedom of speech is being fucked with. And that's the one thing that Republicans want to stand by because they love money so much is that, well, we can't regulate. Reg they hate regulation. We don't want to regulate Facebook because we love the money so much, even though they're not seeing any of the money in the First Amendment, right? And all this bullshit. And the other thing I'm thinking is, I wish that she was my teacher. She's like really <laughs> good at She's like so great. Simple, basic, like the way she's talking. I get it. I love I'm, the sound of her voice. She explains things perfectly. Yeah. She's calm. Yeah. She, she even explains them with empathy. Mm -hmm. She's never really blaming even Mark Zuckerberg. She is always careful to just say Facebook. She's never like Sheryl Sandberg, fucking cunt, <laughs> things like that. There's a direct correlation to, you know, the the massive like refugee scenario that is happening everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like countries are at war and, and ours is about to be as well. Mm -hmm. And it's because of Facebook. OK, so this last clip is fucking bananas, too. Like I would give my left tit to talk to this bitch, Francis. <laughs> Both tits. She has so much information and I want all of it. I've watched all of these like. I've watched the whole interview on 60 Minutes three times, and I've watched all of these more than three. And all I want to do is listen to her talk about how Mar Mark Zuckerberg's stolen idea will be the downfall of society. I could listen to it. I could go to sleep to it. I could go to sleep to it. Like <laughs> He's literally doing the thing that he knows is wrong. He is Lex Luthor. He is chaos. He, he wants it. He wants to make people insane so that he can so that Facebook can make money as if he doesn't have enough money. I don't understand his No, and he has kids. lust for power and money outrivals Trump oh. and B Jeff Bezos and anyone we've ever known. We Who knew that we were sleeping? I mean, you knew and we would I knew. Oh, please. Yes. I knew. And I've been talking shit about Mark Zuckerberg. And now we know that he's literally the worst. He's the, he's, he's the wor he's worst. He's worse. He's worse I than hate, Trump. I hate Jesse Eisenberg because I hate Mark <laughs> fucking Zuckerberg. I literally hate Jesse Eisenberg. I hate him. I hate his guts. Oh, and they did a poll just to just to to prove your point. Mm -hmm. They did a poll that that found out that Mark Zuckerberg is less popular than Donald Trump and Trump Jr. Ooh. Literally, Donald Ooh. Trump Jr. is more popular and more liked wow. than Mark Zuckerberg. That's and that's something tough. That's, that's tough. tough. That is tough because Trump doesn't even like. Trump Jr. Whistleblower Francis Haugen on Facebook's international impact. Haugen. The team I worked on was called Civic Integrity, and it was responsible for trying to make sure that Facebook was a good force in society. And right after the election, like within weeks after the election, they told us we're dissolving Civic Integrity. Like they basically said, oh good, we, we made it through the election. There wasn't riots. We can get rid of Civic Integrity now. And when they got rid of civic integrity, it was the moment where I was like, I don't trust that they're willing to actually invest what needs to be invested to keep Facebook from being dangerous. When you were told that civic integrity was yeah. being shut down, what was yeah. the purpose of that? They claimed it was that civic integrity was so important that they needed to integrate it into all the other teams. And, um, so that it would no longer be a standalone yeah. unit. Yeah, yeah, we needed it. It was so important. We should integrate it into all the other teams. Is that what happened? Uh, I I don't think that I was alone in feeling what happened was was dissolving the team because 
the team that I got placed on, so my, my, my team got reorganized. So what were the civic integrity people going through? So imagine you know no one else in the world knows what you know. You know you're the only ones working on it. And you know that you have maybe a tenth the number of people you need, right? So like, I'll give you an example. So my counter espionage team, it had under 10 people. How are six or seven people supposed to fight China spying on people in Taiwan or Uyghurs all around the world? Like our team at any given time only could work on a third of the cases that we had. Like a third of them. Like we literally had to sit there and make a list and be like, who will we actually protect? And there's no reason we had to do that. We could have had, you know, two, three, ten times as many people. And we intentionally didn't build detection systems because we already couldn't handle the cases we had. And Facebook management is aware of this? When yes! I would express concerns, <laughs> like with my own team, like when I was working on civic misinformation, that we were uh, insufficiently staffed, I was told flat out, at Facebook, we accomplish impossible things with far less resources than anyone thought possible. Oh my God. I don't think it was malevolent. But because the leaders there often are maybe early Facebook employees, they may have never worked anywhere else. They have no context for like how inappropriately um, resourced things are. They just keep repeating the same truisms over and over again. But this can't be a matter Ew. of money. It's a trillion dollar yeah, company. I totally get it. I think it's a feedback cycle. So every time there's a scandal, oh it's harder for people at Facebook to hire. Can't, right? No one wants to work there. Are like, no, I, I couldn't work at Facebook. But because they're understaffed, they have to make compromises. And because they can't start from the place of, we have a problem, we need to declare moral bankruptcy. Moral bankruptcy? Moral bankruptcy is an opportunity for Facebook <laughs> to come in and say, we completely messed up. Some of it's our fault, some of it's not our fault, but we have gone in so far over our heads that we need a reset. Or we're sorry, we did this thing, but mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to do better. But what he really needs to do is come out and level and say, we have to reorganize the company. We have to admit that people don't want to work here right now and figure out solutions on them. Because if they don't do that thing, they're just going to continue to get worse and the process is just going to reinforce and reinforce. I mean, it seems simple, but Mark Zuckerberg is such a fucking egomaniac and a sociopath that of course that's not going to happen because he's never admitted he's wrong about anything. It's like, it, that would be just the thing to do. We made it this far. We fucked up. Sorry about the algorithms. <laughs> We're going to change that. I mean, it's like, you could you could forgive and understand if people truly in a random pool of feeds were leaning towards anger and rage and they truly did that but they don't they create that they make that happen and they've turned everyone's cousin into a fucking QAnon <sighs> violent QAnon nightmare and you know what they cause and it was a fact and the lawsuit never went through but it is a fact that that guy that shot up the Pulse nightclub and killed so many people mm -hmm. in that gay club it was that was a huge mass shooting mm -hmm. that that guy he like 50 people he was he was directed there was a they found the exact entire pathway that he went she describes how they make a full you know a, like a a profile of you mm -hmm. based on your interest they have this algorithm knows how to make monsters out of people and it's honestly it's like brainwashing it's like the way we can like leah remney and be like bitch how are you in scientology mm -hmm. What are you, a fucking idiot? It's like, it happens. People get brainwashed and Facebook is doing that. Turning regular people or people who, you know, 
yeah, incels or dateless, desperate tools that live at home or whatever it is. And it's just like, which was just like the guy that shot up Pulse. Right. And it's like, you're not just turning people into ca capital insurrectionists. You're turning people into fucking mass shooters. That's what they're doing. Now it's time for So There's That. All right, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a So There's That moment that's happening because of or in spite of the diarrhea toilet Republicans, the virtue signaling half hypocrite Democrats, the Facebook executives who are currently killing humanity, the corporations currently killing the planet, the coronavirus currently killing the economy, the massive oil spill currently killing all the sea animals <laughs> off the coast of Southern California, oh the massive wildfires currently killing all the wood animals, or the half a million homeless people in America who are currently killing the vibe of everyone driving by. <laughs> and that's just here. Not to mention Haiti, Ethiopia, the Northern Triangle, the Middle East, Pakistan, North Korea, Russia. There's so much shitty shit going on, Meow Meow. Mm -hmm. We need your So There's That story to make sense of it all. Oh, there isn't enough So There's That in the world no. to make sense of, of no. the shit. Not even, the, I can't even think two seconds about the oil spill. Even though I know there's 50,000 homeless people, the oil spills really bumming me out. However, California really, really, really dropped the ball on that oil spill. But California also really picked the ball up with today's. So there's that. I'm sure this oil spill is right off these people's new land. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> now, I've been living in L.A. for over 10 years now, and I've never been to Manhattan Beach or Newport beaches. I've driven through, and I certainly have heard how Republican-y those areas are and how white privilege. Also, whenever I look around LA, I always think, oh, the history of Hollywood. How many rapes have occurred right here in our fair city? Especially, and of course, in the heyday of the studio system, pills and booze and Fatty Arbuckle and Judy Garland and sexual harassment for everyone. But what I forgot was, Los Angeles was also a haven for racism. Yay! The coasts cannot escape their ugly past, too, no matter how progressive we've become. One thing we can thank Trump for is putting a magnifying glass on top of a telescope inside of a bullhorn outside of a blaring sirens to the systemic issue of racism in every nook and cranny of this country. Now, as annoying and self-righteous and virtue signally as California may be, especially Northern California, the, <laughs> the past is the past. But part of understanding history is hopefully trying to make the present and the future better and learn from our mistakes. For example, the Confederate flag, the Confederate statues, not marrying off a seven-year-old girl. And unfortunately, we're still working on let's not cut any more clits off. But the good news is in our own country, one man, through his recall and his hair, heard <laughs> the cry and reached his long tan arm into the past, took a look around, drove the DeLorean back to the present, and tried to make a right from a very disgusting wrong. Last week, Gavin Newsom returned land called Bruce's Beach, which was taken from the Bruce family because they're black in the 1920s. So the Manhattan Beach area here in California could remain white, racist, privilege, and the Bruce family was left with nothing. 
Well, last week the family got their land back, and it's incredible. In 1912, Willa and Charles Bruce bought land in Manhattan Beach, a Los Angeles seaside suburb, for those of you who don't know, turning it into a thriving resort run for and by black residents despite the harassment and violence from their stupid fucking dumbass white neighbors. They built a lodge, a dance hall, and an entire area where black residents could go to the beach without fear of being harassed and violated while they were on the beach. Because they were, it was so segregated. Black people, I know, I'm just, black people couldn't even go to the beach in L.A. Okay? So, unfortunately, the Bruce, the Willa and Charles Bruce still had to deal with these white assholes constantly harassing them. But they stood firm and they gave access to black people who never would have even been given the option to walk on a beach due to the level of segregation and racism during that time. But the biggest violation that occurred to the Bruce family was by Manhattan Beach, the city, as it cited eminent domain in 1924, paid the Bruce family $14,500 and took their land away, basically. Prime beachfront real estate for $14,000. Now, 100 years has gone by, and Manhattan Beach front property is one of the, some of the most expensive property in the country. And in California alone, if you have a house there, it's definitely worth several million dollars. The Bruce family descendants or ancestors or whatever, there's like a hundred of them and they're spread out all over the country. And I tried to find some information on the family or they're just... even prolific in their ancestry. <laughs> I know. I, mean, I know. I was thinking if it was my personal family, there'd be no one to give it to. Yeah. You like, know what we I mean? found a couple people, but they're just like garbage. So who cares? It was not the immediate. <laughs> it wasn't the immediate Goldman's. They were sideliners. Yeah. They were the cousins of the cousins. They're not really, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the fifth of the sixth of the seventh. So, because I, I really wanted to spotlight the, the Bruce family and not make this all about Gavin Newsom. But um, this is sort of a two-lane highway, and Gavin Newsom is instrumental in it. And I'm just so into Gavin Newsom right now. But I'm so into the Bruce family and the history of this this Bruce's beach. Yeah, giving the Lovecraft vibes. Uh-huh. If, if anyone hasn't seen Lovecraft... Oh, my God. Like... L- Honestly, you maybe you need to do what I did, which was skip to episode four and then rock your life because it <laughs> is, it gets it's so amazing. fucking ham it's and amazeballs. so good. It's massively underrated. Massively show. underrated. I think massively underrated. The first couple episodes are are, or maybe it's just the first episode is doesn't get you like where it goes. When you called me about that episode, where I'll just say this: all I have to say to you is this: a woman shoves a high heel up a man's asshole. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, what channel is that? What channel is that? In the 50s. In the 50s. And he's white and she's black. Um, I'm sorry, can I buy this? Can I yeah. Can I invest in this show? Ugh, I know I keep making this about Gavin Newsom. I'm sorry. It's just that I just know more about him, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. I'm just the, the it's the it's the it's the it's the it's them all together. That's got me. That's got me whopping out. First off, regardless of his hair, I just want to say, and the fact that he went to French Laundry without a mask after making a mask mandate, but then he apologized, but then the QAnoners Facebook trolls had to have, like, a recall, which he won. Now, it's shit like this that shows our governor's character. I'm sorry. I know this is about the Bruce family and how great it is, but also we have to give it up for fucking Gavin Newsom and his hair. He signed the deed over to the Bruce family, and it makes me so fucking proud. Yeah, they still haven't given any land back in Oklahoma, motherfuckers. (laughs) That's right. That is correct. That is correct. And that is ne- next. Hopefully Gavin Newsom flies over there and slaps someone silly. <laughs> Not to mention the land that they took from the Bruce family became a park. And it became basically like like state like yeah, they put land. a plaque on it. There's a plaque and a bench. 
Like, and a so whole like, this is where you can walk around and feel like rested and like take your dog. And it's like, that was someone's fucking property. That was someone's property. They had a resort. It's like if it was the Catskills and somebody came in and were like, sorry, Jews, we're taking away your place. It just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't have, it, it just, it just wouldn't happen. So for the state to come and take your land for no reason because of your race, it's just absolutely repugnant. And this family, this generations, hundreds, a hundred years of, of this family lost out on, they'd be rich. They'd all be rich right now. Now, or we don't know, but we at least know they, they have the possibility of. Because we don't know. Who knows what anyone will do? Well, if it was my parents, they probably would have sold that at the wrong time. Right, and mine too. No offense, mom. <laughs> mine too. Mine too. So fine. <laughs> but at least they would have. It would have been their choice to make. Right. So, the Bruce family, along with Kayvon Ward of Where's My Land, a nonprofit fighting for stolen land from Indi oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm, indigenous people and people of color fought to make this happen. This chick is cool, and the organization is cool. I highly suggest you go look at it and what they're doing. I'm proud of them. I'm proud to be from California. I feel like uh, where's my land? Cave I love on that Ward. you said you were proud to be from California. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. Uh, Gavin Newsom and the Bruce family all are a part of a growing storm of people who want to do the right thing. And by working together, Mark Zuckerberg, rather than fucking I thought being you called him Mark Zuckerberg, and I like that. <laughs> Mm. Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> y'all bird bitch, <laughs> y'all bird bitch. Like this just shows you can work together and right a wrong. Like you don't need to pretend like something that that it didn't happen. So they manifested it, and the healing is possible. The Bruce family have a long road to walk, but after a hundred years, this family has beachfront property in southern california okay and the possibility now lies on their shoulders as to what they're going to do with it but the windows are wide open and the possibilities are endless so and the oil filled <laughs> air is going right through the windows mr and mrs bruce and all of the kids that's true that is true but at least they have their land back and it's their the choice is theirs to make and no one else's and at the end of the day between an organization that was trying to do something good for people who lost so much, for a governor who actually, regardless of his faults and his hair, and however he might seem to some people, he he's a good person who really tries to do right by people. And I, for one, feel great about it. And I think that small little thing just makes me feel so good and so proud of him, of them, and of California. So there's that. That's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Politics. Thank you guys for listening to our stupid podcast. We love and appreciate all 14 of you so much. If you're new here and you like us, but you'd rather not hear about politics, please consider checking out our Patreon podcast. We do two a week every week. They're both an hour and we post them on Sundays. So you have all week to listen to them. <laughs> That's right. They're a dollar each. And when you sign up, you will immediately get access to our huge back catalog, which has hundreds of hours of stupid, stress-free, ad-free, timeless podcasts. If you want to hear one now, 
to see what it's like before you commit. The link to the free episode is in the description of this podcast, or you can go to our website, julianbrandy.com, and there's a button on every page that says click to listen to our free Patreon episode. The episode is called Windows Up Sing Time, and you can listen to the whole hour right there from your phone or computer. You don't have to download anything or sign up for anything. It's soups ease. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. <laughs> we are trying to get to 2,021 reviews by the end of 2021. And right now, it's like October fucking. It's the first week of October. <laughs> we are at 1996. Oh, my God. We've been, wow. in, we've been in all these, like, Jeez. we're in all these birth years right now. And, like, so last week, we were in some, like, the early 80s, you know, so thank you to all of the 14 listeners who went on this week and wrote a review, including but not limited to Jones SLP, who called it a must listen oh. and then said, need a lot of laughs with your politics. This is the podcast for you. The hilarious realness of Brandy and Julie <laughs> is peppered in with real time political goings on. You must listen and I must go join the Patreon. <laughs> Why, yes, Jones SLP. We insist you go and join the Patreon yeah. right now, in fact. Mm -hmm. The harassment, as you know, does not end after you leave a review. No, it does not. Just like the heyday of Hollywood, join the Patreon, damn you. Get over there and join the Patreon, will ya? Come on now, sir. And if you don't listen to us on Apple, good for you. We despise those money-grubbing, gatekeeping, power-mongering, elitist assholes. So we highly encourage everyone to live their best antitrust life. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly, it's been gay and it's been dumb. And fuck Facebook. Fuck him right in his Mark Zuckerberg. How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful hand in hand. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme and maybe play you a sign You look like you're both pretty groovy Or if you want something visual that's not too abysmal We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat wheel. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, It'll all seem all right I'll get you a satanic mechanic I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Right. Or maybe a bite? Right. I could show you my favorite obsession 
I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan, and he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. A sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. <laughs> <laughs> 